Recently, her school, as well as other charters, were vilified and possibly slandered and libeled at a meeting of the Idaho Charter Schools Commission. That type of comment and I guess the tone of the commission discussion is concerning. Welcome to Reality Check, a weekly podcast about anything and everything having to do with education. I'm Jeannie Allen, founder and CEO of the Center for Education Reform. We chose the name Reality Check because a lot of what you read about education these days is often wrong or misleading. If you want to know what's really going on in American education, from K through career, you're going to need a Reality Check. Today, I am so pleased to speak with Christine Ivey, who's the superintendent of Heritage Charter Academy in Jerome, Idaho. Christine is a highly credentialed educator who first served as deputy superintendent of the Idaho Department of Education, was also a chief academic officer for the Idaho Board of Education, and director of education for NASA Ames Research Center. Her passion and her commitment, however, today is to helping the kids she serves at the Heritage Charter Academy. However, despite the amazing efforts of the Heritage Charter Academy to serve low-income and children who are disenfranchised in this small community in Idaho, recently her school, as well as other charters, were vilified and possibly slandered and libeled, it looks like, at a meeting of the Idaho Charter Schools Commission. So I just really thought we had to bring you this breaking news story at Reality Check this week and to get into these discussions and the details so that you, our listeners, and those people in Idaho listening can really help bring out accountability and opportunity for kids. I'm pleased to welcome Christine Ivey. Good morning, Jeannie. Good morning. Thank you for joining me. And I know that um, it is it is we are typically on Reality Check, Christine. We tape our shows, as lots of podcasts do, and we put them out, and people can listen to an evergreen. But just to set the stage for people, it is June 24th when I'm talking to you. They will be listening to this this week and probably into the future, 2019. Let's just set the stage for people for a moment. Tell us about Heritage Charter Academy in Jerome, how long you've been around, and some of the amazing results that you have been gaining year after year? Well, our school opened in 2011, and we're in a a really small rural community in Idaho. Um, Our school focuses on kind of a combination of providing a small, nurturing environment for students in our community and um, providing enrichment. And our students at Heritage include um, 95%, 95% of our students who are eligible for free or reduced price lunch, 25% of our students have disabilities, 23% are English language learners, and about 50% are Hispanic. Um, and so our students really thrive in an environment that's smaller and that they have these um, opportunities for enrichment and growth. Which is, which is actually staggering for a small, relatively homogeneous community in Idaho, right? So I just want to just set uh, the expectation here for our listeners, Christine. This is not Washington, D.C. or Boston. This is Jerome, Idaho. And my understanding from the data that we've actually looked at over time, because we connected a few years ago when uh, there were some folks who thought that perhaps your school uh, was not serving kids well. We helped you by looking at some data, and it 
we came to find out that you're actually educating more low-income, more special needs kids, more diversity than the majority of schools in Idaho. Is that correct? We are. Our, um, our local population, the, um, the percentage of Hispanic students, English language learners is, is about the same as at our school, but our school serves, um, serves more economically disadvantaged students um, and really a, a much higher percentage of students with disabilities than our local community and um, for sure than our state. Really, um, our, our percentage of all of those different groups of students is significantly higher than, than the state average. So, so every year, uh, and even more frequently, charter schools in most states uh, go through review. There's ongoing evaluations, and uh, many different states have many different kinds of authorizers, and the authorizer in Idaho happens to be the Idaho Charter Schools Commission which is kind of a state board. Um, you know, we've, Christine, as you know, been very involved in helping craft or recommend uh, the construct for laws, and we've tended to feel and see that commissions end up operating a lot like state education bureaucracies, which charter schools were actually created to bypass in so many ways. And so when I heard this story, um, I kind of went, First of all, I want to say I told you so to people who um, really advocate for one uh, monolithic structure like a commission overseeing all schools. But secondly, it just goes to show you that not everybody who um, necessarily is working in around charters is an advocate. So uh, you and your teachers uh, and your students were being evaluated at a charter school commission board meeting, and they went to executive session, but they kept the tape running. And the tape was released to you and the public. And there were some really uh, unfair comparisons, data, and some really pejorative comments. And I'm just going to jump right into this because I just think this is a travesty to hear the head of a commission who was tasked with helping oversee and make sure kids are being well served is heard on tape saying that he wouldn't open one of his ice cream stores in Jerome because, quote, ice cream doesn't build brain cells. And referring to Jerome asking, what are we going to do with that town? He claims he was misquoted and taken out of context. Christine, your reaction to that? You know, my concern is that people in Idaho really understand the complexity of providing a high-quality education. And that type of comment and, I guess, the tone of of the commission's discussion is concerning because we have educators at our school, including myself and, and a school board that works really hard to meet a variety of needs. I mean, we, we're working constantly to um, set goals, achieve those goals, and meet our students' needs. We, we see great things happening all the time at the Drum School District and in our charter school. And we've built partnerships in our community and between our school and the district that I think are really partnerships that our community can be proud of. And your, and your scores on tests using the existing, they call it ISAT in Idaho, sort of the statewide test, which is 
an indication of progress. It's not all progress. Actually shows you guys making progress year after year. Yeah, our state reading scores, which um, our state reading test is called the Idaho Reading Indicator, and our state reading scores have gone up, and we've had some of the biggest growth in our region in reading, and our state ISAP scores show growth. Our ISAP scores, um, when you analyze individual student growth, when you analyze growth per grade level, um, show that our kids are making progress. When you look at just a once-in-time proficient or not, that may not always be the case because a lot of our students are enrolling three to four years behind. But when you have the, the experience and the background and the training necessary to really look at what's happening and, and whether students are growing, you can see that easily. Yeah, data does data is not easy to review and to understand. It's a constant challenge. Uh, and it right. sounds like to me after listening to the tape, after reviewing the transcript, that uh, the commission members are being given a bunch of information by staff that they don't even really fully uh, understand. In fact, uh, on the tape, there's a couple of comments about, you know, claiming that you said certain things that were completely uh, taken out of context. Um, about about your work as well. Yeah, I think that's concerning to me because I I expect all of our students to grow and become proficient and thrive, and I have such high hope for every student that that attends our school and all the students I've worked with in my career. Well, and hope is great, right? But that's obviously the commission would push back and say their job is not to worry about hope and caring. Their job is to worry mm -hmm. about details and data. So. You had suggested that whenever you submit data and documentation uh, to back up your hard work, it doesn't support the opinions of the staff members, and the data tends to be ignored, and the commissioners may not have ever seen or heard it. And isn't that the whole point of an authorizer, to actually look at your data and, in fact, um, visit the school? Have you ever had any of these commissioners come by the school and visit and ask you about the data you've supplied? We haven't had commissioners visit. We periodically have commission staff members visit for an hour or two and just have more of a casual conversation. Um, and so that is concerning. I know um, when we worked with your team, Jeannie, we spent months putting together detailed information, documentation, data, to really show what was going on at our school. And I think our our last charter renewal application was over 800 pages long. Our, and that was, that was because we included so much data and so much data that really digs down into the, into the different demographic characteristics of our school and then our academic growth in looking at all of those demographic characteristics and doesn't seem when you listen to the recent recording and then when we've experienced different decisions that the commission has made, it doesn't seem like they're aware of that data. And an example of that would be our free and reduced lunch data that's mentioned in this recording. Um, I think we've provided the documentation from the U.S. Um, DA 
three or four times that show their formula for calculating free and reduced lunch and our percentage is 95% and that's still um, misrepresented um, by commission staff to the commissioners. So that's, that's a concern that the commissioners may not be aware of really what our school is doing if they're not getting all of the information that we provide. That's right, Christine. When you're talking about data and commission members who are supposed to be helping support these choices and innovations that Idaho legislators decided, like many states, uh, that parents should have access to, the, the most responsive people in the country take time and the best authorizers to truly understand what's going on in schools. And so I was quite astonished by some of the banter as well over the meeting, over the recording. I mean, it just sounded um, so pejorative that you had a bunch of people sitting around having a discussion, uh, talking like snidely about what's happening. And I'll give our listeners just a little bit of a, a feel for what I'm talking about. I mentioned at the top of the interview about the president, uh, commission president, Alan Reed, saying, you know, what do we do as a society with that town joking? And then, um, and then they're discussing that, uh, you know, what do we do with those schools? These kids are in trouble. They have no future. And then somebody else in the meeting states, Heritage Academy does not believe their kids can make it, which is obviously untrue. And then maligns your board, saying that your board is a rubber stamp for you. And um, then says something about uh, the president is vacant on the board. Not that it's vacant, because the vacant doesn't seem to refer to the post. It's the comment regarding like a lack of leadership. And then they start talking about other schools too. Um, Syringa Mountain Charter School in Haley, the board's laissez-faire. At some point, they start maligning the Idaho School Boards Association. Uh, after 20 years of working with them, no thank you. It just sounds like they're sitting around with their feet up and probably cocktails, uh, just having a good old time at the expense of, of kids and families. So I guess I want to ask you, because there's lots of details to this, uh, lots of ability to kind of dig in, um, but most important is what are the press saying about this? What is the community, what is the press saying about the fact that, number one, they're having a, uh, an executive committee session where this actually kind of stuff should have been on the record, right? Isn't there, isn't there a rule about having private meetings and having discussions like this, Christine? Yeah, our Idaho open meeting law requires that four commissions in Idaho have discussions in public so that the community members and citizens of Idaho are aware of what the different elected officials and appointed officials are saying that they can have transparency when they're making decisions and deliberating and so um, so really we have a requirement there are some exceptions to that requirement but the exceptions are are really things like discussing individual student data or records that are protected um, individual student records that are protected by FERPA or um, pending legal litigation with an attorney, those types of things are protected. But general discussions and deliberation about, um, in this case, schools that the commission oversees need to be 
held in public so that they're transparent and that the, the public's aware of what's going on. And these individuals get their job how exactly in the state of Idaho at the Idaho Charter School Commission? Are they appointed by the governor, the legislature, or what? Typically, they're appointed by the governor. There are some exceptions, and legislators are involved in that appointment process, but they're typically appointed by the governor. And just to make it clear, our, our current governor just began his um, first term as governor. So I, you know, I don't want... I don't want us to come across like our current governor is the one who appointed these individuals or is, is um, somehow responsible. Sure. Right. Sure. And, yeah. and, and again, even the prior governor, if you appoint someone who you think is a great representative and supports the general idea and uh, maybe thought that in this case, Alan Reed and others were good business people and would know how to be good stewards, um, what they fail to recognize oftentimes and become kind of becomes more part of the power structure than anything else is you actually have to learn something. If you're going to do a job like this, this is exactly the reason charter schools were created, is to not behave like the traditional public school system, which too often school boards and state boards of education, frankly, acted this arrogant. And now this arrogance is pervading the charter movement, not just in Idaho, with authorizers thinking that um, they know more and they can do more than the individual schools. They are supposed to be there to make sure that you're following the law and that you are absolutely delivering an education that parents want, need, and that the state holds up as quality. How to define that quality is not one test. I mean, on this show in Reality Check and in so many other places around the country, there are literally thousands of groups, education groups, business groups, higher ed, ed technology, talking, working towards competency education, knowing that there's no one-size-fits-all solution for every child, and that every student needs the equivalent of their own personalized learning plan. And so if you're going to help students grow from one level to another, if parents actually make the change to leave their zone public school, put them in a charter school, and has confidence and supporting in your numbers, as we've seen, back up the fact that you are helping kids who come in three and four years behind or maybe at negative um, zero when they're earlier and then build them up, that that is a valuable asset. And to understand how you do that and maybe help you figure out how to do it even more is what that enterprise is supposed to be about. And so I think the story here is not just is Heritage Academy in Jerome, Idaho being treated well and are the other charter schools being treated well, but what do you do when the charter school movement itself, when groups like the Idaho Charter School Commission and its members uh, go rogue, if you will, and uh, don't respond and do their duty um, and, and, and fall into kind of this you know, personal banter that is slanderous um, about the people who are, who are running schools. So what's the next move then? How do we help you elevate this issue? We're trying to tackle it on a number of fronts. I, our board is working with our school's attorney. Um, we've contacted the attorney general's office about our concerns with regard to the open meeting law. But our biggest goal is to have states education officials understand um, a little bit more complex um, data analysis and look at the demographic characteristics of schools 
I know our um, our Idaho Department of Education is outstanding when it comes to looking at the demographic characteristics of schools, and they've recognized our school for the growth that we've achieved over the last um, year in particular, but several years. What we'd like to see is, is the commission really look at all of the demographic characteristics for all of the schools it authorizes. Um, in a perfect world, I think the, the duplicate um, reporting and accountability requirements that Idaho charter schools have would be reduced. Right now, Idaho charter schools are answering to the State Department of Education, the State Board of Education, the Charter Commission, as well as all of the other entities that are involved in, in operating school districts. So we really have duplicate reporting, mechanism, reporting mechanisms, and, and some of those are great at understanding all of the challenges that educators have and looking at data and really understanding what's going on in each school, and some maybe don't have the, the expertise or the training necessary to do that, to get that good picture. Right. So and you that's have, what we'd like. And that data is critical. I mean, I'm, and I'm looking at a... At a a chart that we will post on the edreform.com website that actually has a list of all the charter schools, their academic ranking, free and reduced lunch, free and reduced lunch comparisons. Let me just give uh, everybody, before we close off here, a sense of these. So there are um, probably almost a dozen uh, honors, honors recognized charter schools, which is fantastic. And, and I know that a lot of these schools do extraordinary work. They have free and reduced lunch uh, levels, in other words, serving lower income kids that range from zero in six cases to 40%, uh, whereas the state's, the state is about 47% overall. Um, Heritage Academy is 94% cream reduced lunch. No, none of these schools come close to it. Then on special education, where the state is about 10%, the honor schools have one, four, five percent, eight percent, eight percent, six percent. Heritage Academies has uh, Heritage Academy has twenty four percent. Again, that's big. So then you go down to the good standing schools. Then there's a bunch of schools in remediation, and you and three other schools are in critical. And what you all have in common is much higher than average special ed, much higher than average free reduced lunch. Again, no excuse. Uh, we know that we can help kids in the worst off situations. Uh, make tremendous strides. It's the progress and how long it takes um, and what you can be doing, what they could be helping you do rather than um, chastise you and wanting to pat themselves in the back for giving honors out to schools that have um, pretty pretty average kids to uh, deal with like so many other schools. So um, it's a blessing that you're out there doing this work, Christine. Heritage Academy, Jerome, Idaho, um, we're going to continue to support you and advance this story like so many others out there. Uh, the people who, like you, are standing up and doing this kind of work when you could have another job um, and clearly helping students achieve and helping families get the kind of education they want and deserve, uh, deserve our not just support and gratitude, but our help in uh, making things work better across your school, but across the districts as well. And it sounds like you've got a great relationship with both. And uh, I'm delighted you're actually taking 
time on your vacation after school ended to share this with us. And I really hope that uh, the press will get to the bottom of this and that the current governor might reconsider uh, whether or not these uh, individuals really deserve to be on the Idaho Charter Schools Commission. Christine, anything you want to add before we close? I just appreciate all the work you're doing, Jeannie, because I think what the things that you are bringing up, the issues that you are bringing up are important for all of the students across our country, and, and it helps your listeners um, understand all of the hard work that's going on in schools everywhere. So I appreciate you taking the time to look at this issue in Idaho, and I hope, um, as you said, that this creates some change and um, and that our school can be better understood and, and the other schools in our state can be better understood for the hard work that we're doing. Well, thank you, Christine Ivey. Heritage Academy, Jerome, Idaho, we will be following this and talking more in the future. Thanks so much for joining Great. me and to all my listeners out there. Uh, let's get involved and make sure that even our great education reform efforts don't lose uh, the very focused intention of parental choice, access, and opportunity that they were intended. Thanks for listening to this edition of Reality Check. You can subscribe to Reality Check at iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and tune in and never miss an episode. Visit us online at edreform.com and follow CER on Twitter at edreform and me, Jeannie Allen. I look forward to exploring the world of education with you and another prominent guest next time. See you then.